Hey, so this week's episode is going to be really special. Um, I wanted to finish up the section on clothing, so um, I decided to do something um, to play with it a little. After the section that I read, um, I actually got my mother, who is a native Portuguese speaker, um, to read a little bit of that section. So um, I hope you like it, and especially if you don't understand Portuguese, just sit back and listen. Um, I'm going to talk about a few things uh, for you to listen for, um, but other than that, just um, enjoy listening to a foreign language and let it wash over you. Um, anyway, have fun with it. We don garment after garment, as if we grew like exogenous plants by addition without. Our outside and often thin and fanciful clothes are our epidermis or false skin, which partakes not of our life and may be stripped off here and there without fatal injury. Our thicker garments, constantly worn, are our cellular integument or cortex, but our shirts are our liber or true bark, which cannot be removed without girdling and so destroying the man. I believe that all races at some seasons wear something equivalent to the shirt. It is desirable that a man be clad so simply that he can lay his hands on himself in the dark, and that he live in all respects so compactly and preparedly that, if an enemy take the town, he can, like the old philosopher, walk out the gate empty-handed without anxiety." While one thick garment is, for most purposes, as good as three thin ones, and cheap clothing can be obtained at prices really to suit customers, while a thick coat can be bought for $5, which will last as many years, thick pantaloons for $2, cowhide boots for a dollar and a half a pair, a summer hat for a quarter of a dollar, and a winter cap for 62 and a half cents, or a better be made at home at a nominal cost, where he is so poor that clad in such a suit of his own earning, there will not be found wise men to do him reverence. When I ask for a garment of a particular form, my tailoress asks me gravely, they do not make them so now, not emphasizing the they at all, as if she quoted an authority as impersonal as the fates, and I find it difficult to get made what I want, simply because she cannot believe I mean what I say, that I'm so rash. When I hear this oracular sentence, I am for a moment absorbed in thought, emphasizing to myself each word separately, that I may come at the meaning of it, that I may find out by what degree of consanguinity they are related to me, and what authority they may have in an affair which affects me so nearly. And finally, I'm inclined, inclined to answer her with equal mystery and without any more emphasis of the they. It is true, they did not make them so recently. But they do now. Of what use this measuring of me, if she does not measure my character, but only the breadth of my shoulders, as if it were a peg to hang a coat on? We worship not the graces nor the park high, but fashion. She spins and weaves and cuts with full authority. The head monkey at Paris puts on a traveler's cap, and all the monkeys in America do the same. I sometimes despair of getting anything quite simple and honest done in this world by the help of men. 
They would have to be passed through a powerful press first to squeeze their old notions out of them so that they would not soon get upon their legs again. And then there would be someone in the company with a maggot on his head, hatched from an egg, deposited there. Nobody knows when, for not even fire kills these things. And you would have lost your labor. Nevertheless, we will not forget that some Egyptian wheat was handed down to us by a mummy. On the whole, I think that it cannot be maintained that dressing has, in this or any country, risen to the dignity of an art. At present, men make shift to wear what they can get. Like shipwrecked sailors, they put on what they can find on the beach, and at a little distance, whether of space or time, laugh at each other's masquerade. Every generation laughs at the old fashions, but follows religiously the new. We are amused at beholding the costume of Henry VIII or Queen Elizabeth as much as if it were that of the king and queen of the cannibal islands. All costume off a man is pitiful or grotesque. It is only the serious eye peering from and the sincere life passed within it which restrain laughter and consecrate the costume of any people. Let Harlequin be taken with a fit of colic and his trappings will have to serve that mood too. When the soldier is hit by a cannonball, rags are as becoming as purple. The childish and savage taste of men and women for new patterns keeps how many shaking and squinting through kaleidoscopes that they may discover the particular figure which this generation requires today. The manufacturers have learned that this taste is merely whimsical. Of two patterns which differ only by a few threads more or less of a particular color, the one will be sold readily the other lie on a shelf, though it frequently happens that after a lapse of a season, the latter becomes the most fashionable. Comparatively, tattooing is not the hideous custom which it is called. It is not barbarous merely because the printing is skin deep and unalterable. I cannot believe that our factory system is the best mode by which men may get clothing. The condition of the operatives is becoming every day more like that of the English, and it cannot be wondered at, since, as far as I have heard or observed, the principal object is, not that mankind may be well and honestly clad, but, unquestionably, that the corporations may be enriched. In the long run, men hit only what they aim at. Therefore, though they should fail immediately, they had better aim at something high. So... This upcoming section is a little bit of an experiment. I asked my mother, who is a native Portuguese speaker, um, to read a few pages. And um, I actually, I feel like this is part of a larger project that I would actually love to start, um, maybe doing it in a video format, of different people around the world reading sections of Walden. Um, because every time I go to visit, I feel like just walking along the beach, I hear so many different languages. Uh, it's the most international spot in Concord. Um, and even though we have all sorts of different universities in the Boston area, I feel like on a beautiful summer day, it's it can be, you know, one of the most international spots in, you know, all of Massachusetts. Um, people come from all over the world. Uh, Walden has been translated into, um, I don't, like, the the world has 6,000 languages, I think. And I think Walden has only been translated into, like, 50, which is still a huge amount. Um, so I'm 
I'm I'm honored when I last time I was in Portugal I was able to get a Portuguese language version. Um, I believe it was actually translated by a Brazilian um, of Walden, and I love um, going into it and trying to find like my my Portuguese language skills are not as as high as I would like them to be, but I can definitely follow along and just read the text. So if you're interested in listening along and you have an English language version of Walden, the section that she's going to read starts with, when I ask for a garment of a particular form, my tailoress asks me gravely, they do not make them so now. And then it goes all the way to, um, let Harlequin be taken with a fit of colic and his trappings will have to serve that mood too. When a soldier is hit by a cannonball, rags are as becoming as purple. Um, so that's, that's just a couple of pages. Um, this is an experiment. I just wanted to, um, to use the resources that I have at hand. Um, my mother grew up in the Azores, um, and actually, it's a whole it's a whole long story. But the uh, the transcendentalists actually would visit the Azores um, as a you know one of those as a health rest, um, as a way to find clearer air. And the Azores are located in the middle of the Atlantic, a bunch of islands that very few people have actually heard of. Um, so this is a uh, and and also she grew up right next door to. Um, one of the the premier families, the Dabneys, they had a very large house, um, and the and Ellen Emerson actually visited and stayed with them. Mark Twain went to their house, um, so all these all these amazing things. And she so she grew up right next to history, so she has a great appreciation for Walden, um, and uh, and and so actually, so to get back to the section when I had her reading um, through it you know, there are a few sort of proper names that you can um, listen for as sort of guideposts as you go along. Um, the Park High, I think, is mentioned a couple times as the as the graces or the fates, um, the Roman version of the name, um, or the ancient Greek version. Um, and also my favorite line in this whole section is the head monkey at Paris puts on a traveler's cap and all the monkeys in America do the same. Uh, when my mother reads it, she actually laughs at the line. Um, I had, and I had told her about it and she's sort of like, like, she's like, what, what is that word? And how does that come in? Um, cause I, I brought it to her and I do from childhood, I know the word monkey. It's macaque. Uh, and which is just a funny word to say. So um, I showed her the line and she's like, the, the head monkey kind of translates to king monkey. So, you know, the, uh, the king monkey uh, in Paris. Um, so you can, def- and you, you can hear the, the, the Portuguese version of the word Paris is pedige. So you can listen for that. That's about halfway through. Um, and then sort of near the end, you're also going to hear um, the names of Henry VIII or um, like Queen Elizabeth. And it comes out as uh, Elizabeth. Um, so this is this is a little bit of an experiment um, and also an experiment, I think, in, in generosity and, uh, you know, and, and trying 
new things and just, you know, taking something that's relatively familiar um, and listening it to it in a whole new kind of lens. Um, my mother has exemplified generosity uh, to me throughout her life, um, both in language learning and books and um, her philosophies, you know, like let's share. She creates bookmarks, actually, um, because she loves the idea of having something that she can give away. Um, and definitely before COVID, every time we would go out, she would always have a bunch of bookmarks in her purse. And every time she saw a child or somebody reading, she would just offer them a bookmark, you know, not expecting money in return, but sort of as a, a way to just be able to give gifts to strangers. And definitely in America, that's something that people um, sometimes don't understand. But in the community of um, book lovers, I feel like that's more of an international language. And so there have been more beautiful moments of her just handing off uh, a bookmark, a beautiful, beautiful bookmark that she makes out of napkins and wrapping paper and any kind of colorful images she finds. And she laminates them and they, lo they look really nice. They have little ribbons on them. And she'll just give them to people. And it's, it's, uh, for them, it's also a tangible reminder. I've had many friends um, talk about these bookmarks as, you know, this amazing um, thing that people just seem not to do anymore. Um, but I feel like my mother brings out uh, generosity in people. So um, this is going to be her, her section. Maybe I'll have her do it again. Um, and again, like I mentioned, I would love to actually um, give other people the opportunity to share their, uh, their perspective and to, to record either on video or audio um, their own uh, version of Walden. Um, and again, so I'm, I'm running something on Facebook. So if you want to contact me on Facebook, the group is Transcendentalists 2021. Um, and contact me privately if you're interested in participating, because I think this is um, this is something I would love to repeat again. So, enjoy. Quando encomendo à costureira uma roupa de certo modelo, ela diz-me com a maior seriedade: já não se usa assim, sem dar o menor destaque ao se aludindo a uma entidade tão impessoal como as parcas e vejo-me em dificuldades para conseguir o que quero simplesmente porque ela não pode imaginar que eu falo a sério que seja tão descuidado ao ouvir este oráculo ponho-me a pensar analisando cada palavra por si a fim de captar-lhe o sentido a fim de descobrir por que grau de consanguinidade este se relaciona comigo e que a autoridade pode ele ter num assunto que me diz respeito de perto até que por fim me inclino a entrar no jogo de costureira e sem enfatizar o, o sujeito determinado declaro de fato ainda há pouco não se usava mas acaba de voltar à moda De que adianta este aparato 
de tomar medidas se ela não avalia a minha personalidade e apenas me anota a largura dos ombros como se fossem um cabide para pendurar casacos. Não veneramos as graças nem as parcas. Veneramos a Deus a moda que fia, tece e corta como ditadora. Em Paris, a macaca mor põe um gorro de viajante e logo na América todas as macacas copiam. <risos> Muitas vezes perco a esperança de conseguir neste mundo algo de simples e honesto com a ajuda dos homens. Estes deveriam passar por uma poderosa prensa que lhes traísse da cabeça os conceitos caducos, de, de, de tal modo que tais conceitos custassem a reerguer-se. Mesmo assim, teria sido trabalho vão, porque depois disso ainda haveria algum com uma larva in, incubada na, na cachola de um ovo que ninguém sabe quando foi depositado, pois nem o fogo extermina esse tipo de coisas. Não esqueçamos, no entanto, que uns certos grãos de trigo egípcios chegaram até nós por intermédio de uma múmia. De modo geral, sou de opinião que não se pode afirmar ter-se a costura calçado, alçado a dignidade de uma arte neste país ou noutro qualquer. Os homens, hoje em dia, arranjam-se com o que têm ao seu alcance, como marujos náufragos, vestem-se com o que encontram na praia e a pouca distância de espaço ou tempo, logo um acto de troçar da fantasia. Cada geração faz pouco das modas ultrapassadas, mas segue religiosamente as novas. Achamos muita graça as roupas de Henrique VIII e da Rainha Elizabeth, tanto como se fossem as do Rei e da Rainha das Ilhas Canibais. Qualquer roupa isolada do homem é lamentável e grotesca. Só o olhar cheio de seriedade, vislumbrando a vida que ali esteve, é capaz de conter o riso e reverenciar a roupa, seja de quem for. Se o arlequim for surpreendido por um acesso de cólica, os efeitos da sua fantasia não devem estorvá-lo. No soldado atingido por uma bala, os farrapos caem tão bem como um manto de púrpura. <música>